Welcome to the City Church Sermon Podcast. City Church is a new church located in the city of Frisco, Texas, just north of Dallas. Our hope and prayer is that the following message can serve as an encouragement and as a blessing and inspiration in your walk with Christ. If you have any questions about City Church and want more information about us or you want to visit during one of our Sunday celebrations, please visit us online at citychurchfrisco.org or email us at hello at citychurchfrisco.org. If you would like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at citychurchfrisco.org slash give. Thank you for listening. A simple Christmas. As we heard in the video, we heard it last week. Uh, those of you that were here last week, you saw this. And I just want to keep hitting home about how Christmas, that the many uh, things that are occurring around Christmas is complicated because we make it complicated. But in reality, Christmas is very simple. The message of Christmas is very, very simple. That God gift-wrapped himself in flesh and was born into this world to offer us hope, to offer us love, to offer us joy, to give us, to offer us salvation. And, and we read last week and we'll read it this week again in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 where uh, Isaiah is giving a prophecy and he says that for a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will, brew, he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate, I love this phrase, the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. That nothing, nothing was going to stop Christmas from happening. That Jesus was going to be born. And Jesus' mission to bring love, to bring hope, to bring joy, to bring peace, to, to bring comfort to our lives, and overall, over all things, to establish his government in, his, in our lives to establish a way for us to get back with God. Hallelujah. Nothing was going to stop the mission for which Jesus came into this world. Last week we talked about hope. Amen. And I, and I hope that, that, that we were able to capture the essence of what God was doing in our lives through the hope that Jesus offered. I brought something with me today. You guys don't understand. I love these shoes. Okay. I love these shoes. Now, they're a little rickety now. They're a little worn. The shoelaces are messed up. And quite honestly, the only reason I stopped wearing them was because when we moved, I forgot them at the, old, at the other house. And probably much to the delight of my wife, I stopped wearing them. And that's just me. When I find something I love, uh, whether it's a t-shirt, whether it's a shirt, whether it's a pair of pants, whether, if I feel like, man, this really, uh, I, mean, I mean, maybe I'm kidding myself. I think they look good on me or whatever. But if I feel comfortable and I just, wow, man, these are great. This is a great outfit. This is great shoes. I will wear them out, as you can see with these shoes. Now, looking back at them, I'm like, wow, I can't believe I wore these. But, but I love these shoes. I love these shoes. And I, and I wear things out. 
But see, here's the thing that, because I forgot them, or I think I bought new shoes, and I probably would have ended up not wearing these anymore. And what would have happened is that I would have taken these, and I would have found the nice spot, because I don't like throwing things away sometimes. I would have found the nice spot in the back of the closet. I would have set them down. I would have left them there. I would have forgotten them. Out of sight, out of mind. And my question to you is that I'm saying that I love these shoes, but is that truly the best that love can offer us? When we get tired of something that we say we love, whether it's a person, whether it's an idea, whether it's a dream, whether it's a, it's a church, whatever it may be. Man, we love that church. We love that vision. We love that dream. I love my spouse. I love my friend. Whatever it is, is that, love, is that the best that love can do? I love something, but when I wear it out, when I get tired of it, I will tuck it away. Where... It's there, but I don't quite have the use for it anymore. And we get tired of of certain people. And we decide that it's no longer convenient for us to be friends. And we get tired of our marriage. And we decide that, I don't know, I don't know if this was truly God's will for my life. We get tired of our church, and we decided that, you know what, I've gotten as much as I can out of this church, and and we decide to tuck it away, and we may all together just stop going to church because in our hearts we think, man, it just takes too much time, takes too much effort, and we get tired of things that we say we love, and we tend to do this like an old piece of clothing, an old article that we used to like. And there's a song, I was listening to a song by James Taylor. I don't know if you've ever heard of James Taylor, but uh, he sings a song that says, Christmas is love. Christmas is love. And if Christmas truly is love, is this what the love should look like? See, the, the Christmas message of love is really simple. But isn't it odd, isn't it funny that the simplest things in our lives can be so complex? Because simplicity can be complex. Living a minimal life can be difficult at times, even though it may be simple. I brought this with me too. I was like show and tell today. Everyone knows what this is, right? Piece of aluminum foil. But I'm going to tell you, this thing gives me so much problems. It's really easy. I understand the concept. I understand the idea. I see the container I need to cover. Okay? I gauge it and I pull it out. And for some reason, every time I pull out the foil, it's either too big or too small. I can never just... Get it right on the first try. And altogether, I've decided to give up. I've just pulled out a lot and then covered the whole thing up. Because it's just too hard. Although, it's simple. Simple things can be complex. And much of the message that we find in the Bible is it's simple to grasp. 
It's simple to understand. Oh, but to put it in practice? That's where we find our difficulty. That's where we, we, whoa, we stumble on it. We're like, oh, did he, did Jesus, did Jesus really mean that? And we, we search the Bible and we hoping that we can justify. Maybe over here it says something different. And then we try to twist things around. But the reality is that the message is very simple. But yet we don't want to accept it because simple costs us something. Simple costs. And in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 to 10, we're going to read out of the message version. It's going to be up on the screen. It says, my beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. Tell your neighbor, God is love. So you can't know him if you don't love. This is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so we might live through him. This is the kind of love we're talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. There's four things I want you to see in this passage. The first thing John says is love each other. And and as John is making this statement, making this command, you got to love each other. Church, you have to love each other. He's echoing Jesus' words in John chapter 13, verse 35, where Jesus said, By this, all will know that you are my followers. By this, all will know that you are my disciples. The love that you have for one another. Because you can do all the deeds. You can feed the hungry. You can feed the widows. And you can give in left and right. And you can cast out demons. There can be miraculous healings that are occurring in your life. But if there is no love. John says that if you don't love, you don't know God. The second thing is that love comes from God. That, that, that warm and fuzzy feeling that you feel towards your spouse and that, that affection and that desire to serve him or her, that desire to, to see them well, that desire to, to sacrifice for them, that doesn't come because you're a good person. That comes because that's God working in your life, in your heart, because God, love doesn't come naturally from us. Love comes from God. Hallelujah. The third thing is that God is love. See, God not only loves you, but God in his essence, in everything that he is and everything that he does, God is love. If there is one verb or one adjective that we can use to describe God, it's the word love. Then we notice that John mentions, mentions damaged relationships. See, because this is what happens when we don't have the God type of love that we need. 
and, and we set those things behind us somewhere we don't see them, somewhere we don't recognize it, somewhere we, we forget them. What happens? Our relationships are damaged. But more importantly, what John is saying is that our relationship with God was damaged by the sin in our lives. But the good news was that he came and he sent his son, Merry Christmas. He sent his son to clear away our sins. And not only our sins, but the damage that our sins caused with the relationship that you and I are supposed to have with God. He cleared all all that out to make a way and that he forgave us. He forgave us. So forgiveness leads us to live lives in which though we may be wounded in our lives, we are without resentment. Because we've all gone through this. We've all been hurt. We've all been wounded. And we've all been uh, deceived by someone we trusted. And the idea of forgiveness I can understand it, I can define it, I can, I can explain it, I may be even, even be able to write a three-page essay on forgiveness, but to actually put it into practice, wow, that takes a major undertaking. I mean, that takes a miracle. And don't even bring in the severity of the hurt. The degree to which we were hurt, the degree to which we were pained, to the degree to which we were beat up, it adds to the difficulty in us being able to forgive. And when Jesus is in this world and he's preaching and he's teaching about love and he's teaching about forgiveness, the disciples at some point, they're bothered by this. And Peter, one of the versions says that Peter worked up the nerve and he stood up and he asked Jesus a question. Because it was bothering his heart. It was bothering him because he kept hearing about forgiveness. And I don't know, maybe Peter, I'm pretty sure, Peter had been hurt just like you've been hurt. And he was wrestling with this, this idea that Jesus keeps saying, I have to forgive my brother. I have to forgive my sister. But Jesus, you don't understand what they did to me. You don't understand the pain that they caused in my life back in 1999 at 3 o'clock p.m. at that high school. You don't know the wrong he did to me. And Peter gets up and and he works up the nerve and and he gets up and he he comes to Jesus and we're going to read it up here. Matthew chapter 18 verse 21. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. See, Peter's like, okay, I'm hearing you, Jesus. I, I'm hearing the message, and I'm, I'm trying to grasp this. But there's got to be some sort of limitation to forgiveness. Uh, there's got to be a, a line that gets drawn in the sand where I, I'm, I, I'm allowed to say, well, that's it. I'm done. I can't go. Because even the law, the law says that after three times that I forgive someone, I can just put them to the side like my old shoes and forget about it. 
And he thought, you know what? I got it. I'm going to ask him, and I'm going to tell him seven times because that's double the, what the law says. Plus, I'll add another one, an extra time for a good measure. He thought he was going to get pupil of the week. A little star on his chart. Jesus says, no, 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 Peter. You got it wrong. You got it wrong. Not only are you supposed to do it seven times, but you should do it 77 times. And Jesus isn't saying that you got to keep a, a log of, of well, kind of, you, I've forgiven you 76 times. You better watch out on that next one. You got one more left, so you better watch out. That's not what Jesus meant. When Jesus said 77, what he was saying is that there is no limit. Even though our minds can, can maybe comprehend three times, maybe seven times, but 77 times being offended by the same person in the same manner. And Jesus says, no, not three times, not seven times, 77 times. Man, by Lord, by what well, you want me to do what? 77 times. And then Jesus, just as he was so good at doing this, he goes into a story. And in verse 23, he says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king. And you got to understand, when he's telling these stories, he's comparing and contrasting uh, the, the kingdom of heaven. If he uses someone, you got to try to find who the characters are. You got to try to figure out, okay, who is he referring to? And when he is referring to this king, he's referring to God. He's referring to himself. And he says that the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him So Jesus is telling the story of, of God and a servant. And this servant owed 10,000 bags of gold. And it's time to settle your debt. It's time to settle these accounts. And he's brought before the king. And he and he's, doesn't have what he has to pay. And he gets before God and he gets on his knees and he's like, God, please forgive me. I will do everything that I can to replay. And he's begging on his knees. There's other versions as he's lying on the ground just begging before God, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. I will do what I have to. Let me repay the debt. Be patient with me. He begged. The servant's master, the king, had pity. He canceled the debt. Not only did he say, you know what, we'll postpone the day. The day. Give me a, 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 a postponed check and, and I won't cash it until. Or you know what, let me, let me give you some payment plans, some options. You know, if you give me a balloon payment, I will get. He, he didn't say anything. He canceled the debt. 
See, Romans chapter 6, verse 23, referring to us and speaking of our sinful nature, uh, Paul says that the wages of sin are death. We have a large debt towards our God. We are all in need of forgiveness. Psalm chapter 130, verse 3, it says that if you, Lord, kept record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. And we see a king, he's looking at his servant, he has pity on him, he has mercy on him, and he says, you know what, take your family, uh, I will cancel the debt, hey, hey, uh, tax keeper, uh, erase the debt. So and so, his debt has been erased. You are free to go, 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 it's okay. Because you are my servant. You can go. See, but what do we do when we get that offer? Verse 28 says that when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins. Remember, this guy owed 10,000 bags of gold. This guy owes him 100 silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged them, be patient with me and I will pay it back. Does that sound familiar? But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master every... See, here's what happens. Sometimes when we're in the middle of an ugly situation... We don't see what's happening, but others around us, they see it. And they look in and they're like, wow, really? Man, look at how much God has blessed them. Look at what God has done in their life. He healed them. He set them free. I remember he was going through some financial problems, and and look at how he's reacting. And see, we don't see that, but others do. And they went and they told their master everything That had happened. Verse 32, then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And then God, Jesus, just wraps this off. Wraps this up with a nice bow tie, a nice bow on on the present. And he says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. It's a simple message. You got to forgive. You got to. You got to learn how to be merciful. You got to learn how to be, how to have pity. And you got to learn how to just, you know, uh, the things that you receive, be able to give them back. And, and you got to learn how to let go of these things. And Jesus says that if we don't learn to do that, we'll be treated just like that servant who was unable to forgive that debt. See, when it comes to our relationships, we have a hard time with forgiveness. Because the pain is real. Because the hurt and the emotion is real. 
And we're the ones feeling it. We're the ones suffering through it. And the moment that we're wronged, the moment that someone does, he done, he's done us wrong, she's done us wrong, that resentment within us, that bitterness within us starts to rise up. And we get this overwhelming feeling that justice must be served. Things cannot stand the way they are. He did me wrong. Wait till he gets his. And it's coming from me. See, that's our emotions. That's our nature. To want to get even with people. To want to get even with things that happen that, that we want to correct those situations. And, and the problem is that this doesn't just happen in our outside relationships. This happens in our close relationship. This happens within our families. This happens within our church. This happens in, in situations that are really, really important to us. And we allow uh, bitterness and resentment to remain within us. And we don't know how to let go of things. Tell your neighbor, you got to let it go. Sing it to them if you have to. You know the words. Don't, pre don't pretend you don't know the words. Jesus says that forgiveness in our lives should be like the forgiveness that God has given us. But isn't that a hard word? You have to learn to let it go just as God let it go for you. He cleared your account. He washed away your sins. And even though we still have sinful natures. Even though we still struggle in our lives, he continues to work in our lives. He continues to mold our hearts. And he continues to perfect us. He continues to cleanse us. He continues to purify us. But yet, we can't do that for others at times. Jesus is telling us that we need to learn to live with wounded lives. Without holding on to resentment. Because you will be wounded, church. You will. I wish I could tell you no one's ever going to hurt you. I'd be lying to you. The moment you enter a relationship, you are putting yourself in a position where uh, someone may hurt you. Simple forgiveness allows us to live for God. But it's difficult for us to do. And see, and Peter knew this very well. I mean, he's the one that got up and asked the question. But later on, as he's writing, and he's writing to the churches in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, he says that above all, church, above all things, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. That if you and I truly have God's love in our lives, and it's more than just a fuzzy, warm feeling, it's truly a, a love that comes from God that we have for one another. It really doesn't matter what our brother and our sister does to us, because our love will cover that sin. 
And sometimes it's like this piece of fall. I just can't figure out how much I need to take out. I don't know if I have enough love for that person. Can I truly cover him? Can I truly say this love is going to cover that sin? This love is going to keep him from ruining the relationship because it's a relationship God brought into my life. It's a relationship that God ordained, preordained in my life. And there's a reason for that person being in my life. But I don't know. Am I pulling too much? Am I being too generous? Am I being, am I shortchanging him? What am I doing? I don't, it's just so complicated. So complicated. And our families, they are in deep need of this love. Praise the Lord, everybody. Our families need this love. Our wives need this love. Our husbands need this love. I don't need to tell you what it feels like to be wronged. You know that. You've lived it. And you've experienced it. One thing leads to another, and then things start escalating, things start building. And we have to learn how to let it go. So I'm going to give you three things, because the musicians are coming up, and they're really obedient, and I appreciate them. Thank God. Amen? But I'm going to give you three quick things. That I believe that will help you to not get to this point. Number one, you have to learn to laugh. Wouldn't it be awesome if our life was filled with a laugh track like that? (laughs) But we need to learn to laugh because the reality is that we all make mistakes. I've made mistakes. And my wife makes mistakes. You make mistakes. And we got to learn how to sit back and look at ourselves and say, you know what? That was not very smart. And you're right. And, and just kind of have a chuckle about it and move past it. Because Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18 says that pride goes before destruction. That if you have a, uh, a proud life and there's pride within you that's so deeply rooted that you can't even laugh at yourself every once in a while, believe me, destruction is coming. And Proverbs 13, 10 says that where there is strife, there is pride. You got to learn to laugh at your mistakes, at the things that you've done where you, you've, you've messed up, yeah, you might not laugh at that moment, but you got to be able to look back and say, you know what, hon, you were right. I was being very, very, I didn't think clearly, I thought I was right, and at the end, you were right. Number two, you got to learn to let it go without being heard. You have to learn how to let go of the little stuff. I know you already told him, don't leave the towel on the floor. But see, what happens is that you start an argument over a towel. And then as we saw here, things just begin to escalate. Then before you know it, you have said words that aren't good. You have said things that hurt the other person. They've told you things that you don't want to hear. And something that could have been totally avoided. Just learn to let it go without being heard things that you just kind of is that really worth it should I make a mountain out of a molehill tell your tell your neighbor let it go man the third thing 
got to learn to let it go after being hurt. Because there are some things that you're going to have to talk to. You're going to have to say something. And you got to understand me, guys. I'm not minimizing the pain that you feel. I'm not saying this is easy. But what I am saying is that if we learn how to implement these things in our lives, and if we learn how to apply it in our daily lives, we will be so much richer for it. And forgiveness will flow in our lives. And after you have said what you need to say to that person, after you've discussed what you need to discuss with that person, have your say bring up what happened 10 years ago anymore don't bring up what happened last year if you're truly going to forgive that person let it go let it go see we get this false idea in our minds that a healthy marriage or a healthy relationship is one without sin or without hurt but that is not true because there is no such thing as a marriage without hurt or a marriage without sin. We will offend one another. But what happens is that we have to learn, just like Jesus said, you got to forgive, man. You got to forgive not just once, not three times, not seven times. You got to over and over be willing to open your heart and just say, you know what, I'm letting it go. Let's just move forward. Let's just keep going. And this is in your marriage. This is with your friendship. This is here at church. uncircumcision of your flesh. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the, cha the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away. Say, taken it away. He's taken it away. He nailed it to the cross and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle out of them, triumphing over them by the cross. In other words, if I need mercy in my life, I need to be giving mercy. We, we talk about every time we, we bring the offering. If you want to be blessed in your life, you need to learn how to be generous. You got to learn how to tithe. You got to learn how to give your offerings because when we help hold our hands shut, we hold them in a fist, how are we going to receive? And if I need mercy in my life, I need to give my mercy out to others. And we go around life putting relationships to the side like these shoes. We go putting marriages off to the side like these shoes. We put churches off to the side like these shoes. We're searching for perfect things in an imperfect world. And let me tell you, if you ever find a perfect church, they're not going to let you in.
I might be able to replace the shoelace and it might not look too bad. I might be able to clean it up and buff it up a little bit and they might be all right still for a little while. We have to work at our relationships. We can't just expect to wear them and wear them and wear them and not give anything back to them. Whether it's in your marriage, whether it's here at the church, we can't just show up and think that I'm just going to show up and not do anything and just receive and receive. There comes the time when you're going to be called to give. There's going to come the time in your marriage where it's not just about you anymore, but it's about your spouse. There comes a time in your relationship with God, whether it's not just you, it's about you obeying the call of God in your life and laying your life down for him. I believe God is telling people here I know we're not too many today but I believe God is telling you there's someone in your life that has hurt you there is someone in your life that's caused pain there is uh, there is a family member, there's a friend, there's a co-worker, uh, maybe it's your spouse and you've been holding on to these things in your life and you just haven't let it go. God is calling you for this Christmas to truly live out the Christmas love and be simple about it and just let it go in Jesus name. Trust God with that pain. Trust God with that hurt. It's not up to you to get back at that person. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And if God needs to do something about that person, God will do something about that person. But in the meanwhile, praise the Lord, brother. How you doing? I'm praying for you. I love you. Doesn't mean you need to be best friends. Doesn't mean you need to hang out with him all the time or her. It just means that you need Father, we come before your presence. And we ask you for forgiveness of our sins. Realizing that as we ask for this forgiveness to flow into our lives, that forgiveness will be required of us. And we ask you, God, if we have in the past held on to forgiveness that we should have led, gave, if we've held on to bitterness and resentment in our lives, and I ask you, God, that you would do a mighty work in my heart, a mighty work in our church's hearts.